Welcome back to Eagles Nest 2 Studios. Kicking it in Studio B today so we can check out the Red River Shootout and some other things. Fox starting in a foxhole. Season 6, episode 18, number 178 overall. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Chilling on a lovely Indian summer day. Well, you know, autumn, but it's Indian summer in Eugene. Fantastic. Sun's out. It's going to be in the 80s. Big college football day. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com. Next look with the tunes we use and whatever else we might sneak in. Always a shout out to the folks at Zoom and Road for providing wonderful tools for content creation for folks like myself globally. If you want to be on the podcast or sponsor it, ftinfx at gmail.com. Raging show coming up here. Bear with me because as always, we had way too much fun on a Friday night. That's what we're doing this on a Saturday. So we're checking out the Red River Shootout. Texas holding on to a seven-point lead. Ohio State, its hands full. Anyways, we'll get to all that stuff in the next segment. In the meanwhile, let's get our show going with some open face, shall we? Unfortunately, we have to start off on a very somber, somber note. You know, big hits this week. You know, we start off, obviously, with the legendary Dick Buckus. I mean, I know his era came before most of us, even my time, and I'm old school, but, you know, I do, I caught the tail end of his career. It was always kind of interesting about him and Gail Sayers, you know, those Bears teams in the 1960s. They weren't any good, but yet these two guys are held in such reverence, and, you know, I can see with Buckus, he was quite, you know, the intimidating presence, even when he played at the University of Illinois. But definitely, uh, you know, when it comes to the NFL's fraternity of immortals, he's definitely there, and his presence will be missed, you know, popular culture, all that sort of thing. We lost Tim Wakefield. We were telling you about Shill's mess up, but now I get it because he was pretty close to the end. You know, obviously a great knuckleballer for the Red Sox. Yeah, that's very tragic. And the legendary Russ Francis also passing away. You know, this is if he grew up in the 70s, you know, with the Patriots, and later on, you know, got a ring with the 49ers and Bill Walsh and stuff, played at Stanford and all that. Actually, you know, had the uh, high school record for, I think, with Javelin, which I think Terry Bradshaw even had at one point. But obviously, three iconic figures in sports. Our condolences go out to their friends, family, inner circle, you know, teams and fans that rooted for all three over the years. I mean, these are three monumental figures as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's move into some open, real open face stuff here. Man, I don't know what to say about how whack this world is getting. I mean, if this world is getting whack. I don't. You don't need me to to have you <laughs> be informed about that. So I was reading TMZ, you know, putting some content together for this episode, and I see, uh, you know, pee wee football, junior football, whatever the hell you want to call it. An 11-year-old trying to clip his teammates after practice. I mean, it was in Florida, so there's something to be said about the stereotypes that come with what happens in Florida is way beyond the pell. But yeah, I guess they had a dispute at practice. You can see it in the clip in TMZ. Homie goes to his car, 
and you know, mom's carrying a piece for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, maybe for her safety or just to be hard. But the kid starts shooting at his teammates. I mean, luckily nobody was killed. You know, some injuries, obviously, with the bullet striking the two gentlemen, young gentlemen. But I mean, I I got bad in football practice or basketball or baseball practice, but I never thought about grabbing some iron. I mean, an 11-year-old, who's thinking along those lines? Yeah, okay. And we'll get deeper into this next point in a closer look, but I think it's crazy about the Swifties just driving up the price of tickets wherever she goes. Everybody, all of a sudden, we have this, this legion of fans that, yeah, I got to be there. I don't get it. We'll get into that a little bit later. NFL basically admitting they're shameless as far as writing, you know, this wave of popularity. But more about that. And that was kind of funny as far as Monday night goes. Mr. A-Rodge himself getting up staged by the Swifties and obviously T-Sizzle. And basically calling, you know, Mr. Kelsey out, calling him Mr. Pfizer, you know, because of the Pfizer ads that he has. And you sure it being, you know, an anti-vaxxer kind of jab, seeing that Kelsey is, you know, the spokesperson for, for the NFL's trotting out there and Pfizer, obviously, to tell people to get vaccinated since there's another round of boosters that can help you avoid getting this nasty virus you know we don't have the COVID chronicles segment that's what took this over but i thought that was kind of interesting to bring that out okay this one really baffles me so trevor bauer as we've talked about quite a bit in the past on this podcast settles his legal dispute does it change anything well you know when i first made this bullet point I know somebody's really revving their engine up out there. Maybe I should close the window. <laughs> anyway, let me get back on track here. So when I first started, you know, this this uh, bullet point, I was thinking it doesn't change anything. Then the more details came out. And boy, this is a really ugly story. And I stand by what I always say when it comes to you folks that have deep pockets, and lots of fame when it comes to getting your freak on. You're going to get your freak up. We know that, you know, there's women or men, whatever their persuasion is, or whoever it is, you know, just to be all-inclusive here. We know that's going to happen. But you all should pick some better, you know, you should make better choices. What, if I, what do I always say? You know, Go call an escort. Make them sign an NDA, and then you can get your freak on. You don't get into stories like this where this chick's saying, oh, I was out to get a bag. You know, she was out to get paid, you know, and that's just crazy in terms of, I don't know what to believe. Um, if all this stuff is true, and there is a pending allegation against him still, you know, does MLB owe him an apology? Or is this just, all right, dude, you're a stone-cold dirtbag anyways. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. You know, I was kind of leery about being too judgmental when this was all going on because I was kind of afraid the story would kind of play out this way. Like I said, it doesn't change my opinion, you know. You still, know, you still use poor judgment 
when you got people, you bring people into your lives who can possibly extort you, you know, or just out to like, hey, you got money, I'm going to get some of that because you're thinking with your lower head, not the top head. In Mr. Bauer's case. Anyways, a really short story that just seems to get worse the more that comes out. I don't know if this provides a path for Bauer to get back to MLB. Or he just says, screw it. I'm enjoying my life in Japan and getting my freak up without anybody knowing what's going on over in the Far East. Who knows? Okay. Another one that was pretty interesting, I thought. You know, the guy from um, the failed cryptocurrency that collapsed, uh, FTX, was a Sam Bankman Fried, I believe his name is. Now, in a world where, you know, some of us could use, you know, some backing, you know, financial help, it's ridiculous that this guy paid Steph Curry and Brady a combined $90 million for less than three days of work to provoke what was a stack of cards in terms of this, this, uh, the viability of this cryptocurrency that he was pushing, you know, over the long term. It just sounds like a mess. But the fact that Curry and Brady were able to pocket this much, it just, but for, you know, basically three days of work. I mean, we're talking 90 million. No wonder Brady could take hits in other places. If you've got some fool that's kicking you down this kind of money, gee whiz. Okay. Eh, we'll leave you with this one. Kind of light and open face this week. But how about Jordan? Yeah, that Jordan. There's only one Jordan, right? Now worth $3 billion, he cracks the Forbes 400. Am I impressed? Yeah, actually I am. Because, you know, his association with Nike, I don't think he does a lot behind the scenes other than just adds his likeness, you know, for branding. You know, for somebody who's not out there actively pushing things like some other folks we know, it is pretty impressive that his wealth continues to just inflate, inflate, inflate. You know, just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, he doesn't really, in my opinion, and like I said, I could be completely wrong here in terms of him working behind the scenes. Damn no well he isn't. All right, folks, we will be back to talk some NCAA when we return. Hey, welcome back to episode 178. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan here. Yeah, you know, we're a little bit spun, but we'll go hydrate ourselves, go grab our homies, call our Uber up, and get to the Eugene Airport. So we can uh, get through TSA and take our Gulfstream 650 out on a cruise. It's been a little while since we've gotten to take you know, a, f- a, a wonderful flight in this luxurious aircraft. But it's time to take the high view above campus. Well, well, well. You know, I hate to say I told you so, but I'm going to say I told you so. You know, a few weeks back, I was talking about the NCAA and wondering how they would enforce keeping Tess Walker from being able to move from, I forget where it was, but they go to Carolina. You know, basically, they had used the transfer portal too many times. 
And NCAA, as I kind of predicted, I didn't say, I can't say I predicted how it would play out, but I always feel that they were really toothless if anybody mounts a real challenge. And they came back and said that they had information that the University of North Carolina didn't provide. I'm like, what information would that be? Regardless, you know, I, I don't know whose people talk to whose people, but the kid is going to get to play. Because the whole story was he wanted to come back to North Carolina to be by his ailing grandma who, you know, had a major role in raising him. And, you know, I forced Mac Brown to come out and call the NCAA out and be all angry. But for me, all along, it was just like, you know, I, I anytime there's a possibility to challenge the NCAA, I think they're going to backtrack like this. Like I said, what the hell could they enforce? At the, anyways, all right. So last week, since we were already banging away with another fabulous week of college football, USC and Colorado. You know I would be remiss. I mean, I'm not quite Jason Whitlock talking about Dion all the time, but he does crop crop up, (laughs) pop up in these uh, podcasts. You know, obviously he's been the major story of college football, if not, you know, sports media in general. And yes, this USC-Colorado game was definitely a contest of optics. USC jumping out to a huge lead, and then somehow getting lazy and taking their foot off the accelerator pedal and letting Colorado make a game of it, letting the Deion writers feel good about themselves and keep the narrative going. Caleb Williams looked great. Then he got lazy through, you know, pick that I thought was just, I don't know. It looked like USC just did not look like they were that interesting. Let's say we were up, what, 34-7 or something like that? Yeah. So it ends up being 48-41. You know, Dion got a lot of heat for his clock management down the end. And, you know, Shador put up numbers still, you know, that which, which will let someone like Skip Bayless say, see, I told you he's going to be a better pro than Caleb Williams. Ugh. But one thing it did do, even though Colorado was able to save some face, is it kind of cooled down some of the outrageous talk. You know, you for some reason, you know, getting shellacked by Oregon only amped people up. This actually, you know, satisfied both sides. The haters say, okay, you have two losses. You're not five or six people away from winning a chip. You know, there's going to be a lot of work. The, the, the Dion lovers and jock writers can say, yeah, but we are that close. And this really proves we're coming. So this is one of those that can be, you know, both true. Okay. We won't spend too much time on that. Notre Dame, give them a lot of credit. You know, tough loss. We gave them a lot of grief. You know, Ryan Day... Uh, beating his chest, calling out Lou Holtz and all that other stuff. Well, give Notre Dame this. Duke, obviously, trying to be a football school more than a basketball school, gave the Fighting Irish all they wanted and some. And it took Notre Dame to come up with a 95-yard drive in the closing minutes to escape 
with the narrow whip victory. Where is that? Wide uh, Wade Wallace Stadium down there in Durham. Yeah, I used to live in Durham way back in the day. I was actually been there before. Grateful Dead played there too. 1973. Or was it 1971? I, 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 I think it was 1971 now, thinking about it. One of our good friends here is actually there. You know, let's say she teaches out at Lane Community College, Mr. Jeff Harrison. All right. Big win for the Fighting Irish. Oregon avoids the ghosts of the past. What do I mean by that? Well, if you live in Eugene and you're a diehard Duck fan, how many times have the Cardinal of Stanford University, you know, laid waste to a potential national championship run. I mean, I can too many times to count. And I remember my, me personally, back when they had a 23-game home win streak, I believe it was, right in the early 90s into the uh, beginning of the century. And it was the only game I missed in that 23-game streak, I might add. They lost to Stanford. Ended up the U ended up winning the national title, I believe, that year. Yeah, it was the year they beat Nebraska. But Oregon would have been there had they been able to beat Miami. And, and even in recent times, Stanford's always been a thorn. Well, Ducks obviously weren't paying attention to history here. I think it was like 42 to 6, kind of like last week. Stanford's not any good. So had the Ducks really screwed this up against a bad Stanford team, yeah, we'd be looking at you, Dan Lanning. But Dan Lanning's laughing on his bye week going, oh, Kim, we got this. Big matchup with the Huskies next week, though. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, number one, Georgia, the Dogs. They're still number one, but, man, they didn't really impress when they that game with Auburn. You know, give Auburn props for almost pulling off the upset. But, you know, in the bigger picture, talking optics here again, Georgia ain't looking like the team that beat the aforementioned Oregon 49-3, which doesn't seem like that long ago, actually, because it wasn't. It was just last season. They aren't looking that formidable right now, but then again, it's only, you know, the first week of October, so let's not, you know, get too drunk on the papaya juice quite yet. But right now, I ain't impressed with what I'm seeing. Okay. Speaking of, you know, I t mentioned the Huskies a second ago. They're going to be playing in Oregon. Big, you know, college game day will probably be on site. They should be with these two heavyweights meeting. They do enough to win in Tucson. You know, packed 12 after dark, running way late. Wasn't really impressed with what I saw from Washington either. You know, I've been mean, hearing about, oh, man, they're looking scary. So finally actually took the time to sit and watch one of their games and, you know, with a little microscopic eye. And I'm like, you know, Arizona's not bad. You know, they're three and two, and they're you know a, a very decent three and two. But what I saw, Oregon's gonna you know uh, punk them out. That's what I'm look. That's what I'm seeing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Washington's got the juice to hang with Oregon based on this game. We'll see if I'm wrong. Okay, the Longhorns. You know, obviously. On TV right now, trailing the Sooners. Yeah, they beat a ranked team last week, Kansas, but nobody cares. I mean, they really need to win this game. Obviously, with the 49 0 shellacking they 
did to the Sooners last year. That ain't the case right now. And if the Sooners can get another score here, oh, Mr. Sark. Well, that number three may not be so high when we do come around to the podcast next week. Kentucky, 5-0. and A great story was said about Duke. Another basketball school trying to be a football school. Only makes sense because as much as basketball made schools like the Kentuckys, Dukes, and Kansas, if you ain't got a legit football program, you ain't bringing in those big dollars. Just saying, yo. Yeah. We've got a big game here today, so we'll see what's going on with Kentucky. 5-0, though. Can't argue about that. I also wonder about Fresno and the Pooh. Well, I can't call them the Pooh right now. But Fresno State and the University of Miami, all about the U, all about the U, are they being overlooked? Both are off the solid starts, and they're not really getting the love in the polls. You know, I get it with Fresno, but you would think Miami, especially with, you know, the love affair that people have with the Canes, they'd be getting some more attention. And I think, you know, with Fresno, obviously, the only hardcore, the, the, the big check mark they have is that they were able to beat a Pac-12 team, beat them, you know, badly in their own house, I believe it was, like 29-0. to We're talking about ASU. Now, the ASU was anything to write home about, even though they did give SC, you know, a battle. And I'll be really curious what happens when Dion takes them on today, because I do believe it's uh, ASU in Colorado. So, yeah. Okay, lastly... LeBron says that Bronny is doing well, and he will play for USC. Saw some media pictures this year. So that's a, I mean, this week, I should say. That's an interesting story. LeBron's a lover of the place. You'll be hearing from him again in this podcast. But, yeah, I think that is a very encouraging. Hopefully everything goes well as far as, you know, the heart and whatever medications he has to take to, Stay on the court and stay healthy. We're all pulling for you. Not that I ever root for SC, but, you know, we definitely don't want to see this kid derailed. And where we are, you know, with advances in medicine, no reason to not continue if the doctors feel that they can keep under control what caused him to have the episode, you know, in the summertime that had everybody, you know, really scared for LeBron and his family. All right, folks, that's what's going on high above campus. We'll come back with something you should probably know when we return. Welcome back to Fox Driving in a Foxhole. Finding ourselves in an interesting situation. As I actually cut these segments earlier, but when we were doing the QA on it, had some bleed through, so here I am. Much later, that's why the podcast hasn't dropped yet. I'm not going to drop any hints as far as the crazy stuff we'll be talking in episode 179 based on what's happened today. But let's just get through this so we can get this podcast out. Enjoying an adult beverage here. 
now on a Saturday evening. But, you know, it'll all make sense when this podcast is actually cut here shortly. Time for one of our favorite segments, something you should probably know, or things that happened this past week in the world of sports you might want to know or care about. Well, let's start with the Ryder Cup, shall we? Um, You know, we talked about this last week with the Americans getting boat raced on day one. I mean, that's basically over, right? You know, and you have such a big deficit to overcome. In typical fashion, they made it interesting by making a charge. But in the end, USA loses 16.5 to 11.5. You know, good for the folks at NBC and the Golf Channel that they kind of kept it interesting. But you really knew after day one that this was pretty much a done deal, right? Yeah. Question now remains, who catches all the heat for the USA's failure? Everybody really is coming at Zach Johnson. Rightfully so, perhaps. Maybe not. So let's take a look at this then. Yeah, I think, as I was saying last week, you got the sense that Team USA had that MLS all-star kind of feel when they played Arsenal. And there was just, you know, too much shucking around in spite of banning the cameras and all that kind of stuff. And that they did not have that sense of purpose and determination that the Europeans had. And a lot of that does fall on Mr. Johnson. But that said, who wins on the road in this competition anyhow, right? It just, whether it's in the USA or somewhere over in Europe, you know, the home squad defends its turf. And so you have to take that into serious consideration. Um, sure, you know, somebody has to fall on the sword and it's going to be Zach Johnson. I don't know. Do you bring Tiger in? Tiger is the captain of the, of the ship. You're definitely going to have more viewers and much more interest. But could he inspire the troops to get the job done on the road? Probably not. But maybe when... It, the Ryder Cup comes stateside again. That might be something that's going to happen just to create a buzz. We just don't know, right, at the moment. But, yeah, it was an interesting time over in Italy. Um, you know, all the drama with Rory and, yeah, some of the flexing that went on that was unnecessary, you know, right? It just got kind of got a little bit silly, especially when you're getting your ass kicked. That's just how I see it anyway. Okay. Big boxing match last weekend that we were hyping up a little bit. You know, Canelo and Jamal Charlo. Canelo wins by a decision. And once again, a big match doesn't really move the needle. And so it's odd, because I've spoken about this in the past. We all know when Canelo used to fight, certain segments of the population stopped. I didn't necessarily feel that. I mean, yeah, it was a convincing win. And, you know, he takes a lap of applause as always. But, you know, we're still in that same quandary when it comes to boxing in terms of it capturing the hearts and minds like it once did. You know, when you're talking about, obviously, Ali, Hagler, Hearns, Sugar Ray, that Tyson, right? That whole era is just it like it never existed when you see boxing as it is today. Do I think, you know, the next big fight, which is going to have Usyk and Tyson Fury, either around Christmas time or the beginning of the year for the heavyweight crown, 
it's going to be the same thing. You know, the the aficionados will, will tune in. But, it, you know, my, as much as I hate to give social media credit, when social media doesn't blow up over the event, something's going wrong. And I don't see social media getting excited about this the, or, you know, the small movement on the Richter scale that you saw with this Canelo fight. That's just me. Okay. Over on the track, Ryan Blaney takes the checkered flag at Talladega. Obviously advances. Oh, we're having all kinds of fun with our monitor here. Yeah. This is another one of these sports that not moving the needle. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Need to desperately get the corner man back on so he and I can go 12 rounds on this because, good grief, let's face it. Whenever the NFL and college football starts, NASCAR's an afterthought. It already is anyways, but it even becomes more so where, you know, ESPN doesn't televise it anymore, so you don't even have that going on in spite of the lovely Miss Briscoe and her husband who's a NASCAR driver. It gets no buzz on that network. Yeah, the show that, yeah, they have that show that's on FS1 with Shannon Speak and the, and the crew that comes on, I think, after Speak, but <sighs> Speak is so unwatchable. You, by the time you know that comes on, you're not really tuned in to get any NASCAR data. So, you know, this playoff chase has been going, and we're hoping that Flick's documentary gives us some insight, because otherwise, nobody cares. I mean, I'm not saying that to be negative. Like I said, I can't wait to get the corner man back on here so we can talk it up about this, but yeah. Okay. Boy, I'm just cynical in this segment today. So... Even though she failed to get another gold today, you know, Miss Simone Biles has been dominating of the worlds, as she tends to do on her way to becoming the greatest gymnast in American history. But yet, all the attention is on that certain blondie, Miss NIL Queen at LSU. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, God, isn't it ridiculous how good Simone is, but yet, because everybody's got, you know, wood for you know, our girl at LSU, Miss Blondie, making all that money and living her best life, who's, you know, I'm not going to say she sucks at, at gymnastics, but she's obviously not Elite. And yet, she gets all the ink, gets all the props, and just look at, you know, what Miss Biles is doing in terms of dominating the sport and becoming, the you know, the greatest American gymnast, but yet we have fixated, right, you know, on Blondie. Pretty, pretty sad commentary, if you ask me. Another thing I think is interesting, it's been about five, six weeks since our girl Coco had her breakthrough. Where is the love for Coco? I mean, obviously, Simone's not getting the love. Neither is Coco. And I'm kind of wondering for somebody who's probably primed to become the face of American women's tennis for the next decade and perhaps longer, and so far, you know, I'm just not seeing any real buzz, you know, given how epic her win was at the U.S. Open over there in Queens last month. Kind of odd. Just saying. All right. How about the U.N.? What's up with, you know, you know, the U.N., I should say, calling out France. I mean, I should say, what's up with France? Banning athletes from wearing the hijab at next year's Olympics? You know, saying they want to be secular and keep, you know, religion out of the whole thing. 
the whole Olympic movement's a mess. Let, you know, probably cost some of these folks all kinds of headaches in their own countries. I don't think this is a good move by the French Olympic Committee. Hopefully they come to their senses, which I'm sure they'll be pressured to when push comes to shove. That's just how I see it. Okay, we'll leave you with this one. Always like to get a little gambling in there. We're talking about we're talking about it as much as we can because there is such you know a big marriage now with gambling because it's above the board in most places. And you know the professional sports who have embraced the revenue streams that it brings. I think it's funny though the bad beats that are just giving people migraines all over the place. You know whether it's you know Mahomes. Or that kid from Penn State doing the fake spike that allowed them to cover. I guess the only reason I break this up was, man, it makes me wonder, are we going to see something ugly here one of these days with somebody that gets burned by a bad beat and, you know, loses it in this ever, you know, social, social media influence world that has brought in athletes and the fans much closer than they used to be. Yeah, the next couple of years are going to be really interesting as, you know, gaming becomes more and more prevalent in the sports landscape. It always has been, but now that it's above the board, I guess I should say, we're, going to, we're entering a new era. So that'll be interesting to see moving forward. All right, we'll be back with a Nightfall of Diamonds when we return. Back to Fox Running in a Foxhole. Your favorite host, Ken Harlan here. Episode 178. Whew, a lot of stuff going on in the night full of diamonds. Some of the stuff we're going to save for 179 because it's in progress. And for me, it's not going so well. If that gives you a hint as far as a timestamp is concerned. <laughs> okay, where do we start here? Let's start off with the top three payrolls in MLB. Missing the playoffs, go figure. And who would be the who would be the guilty parties here? The two New York teams, the Metropolitans and the Yankees, and of course the Friars down in San Diego. A lot can be said with all you know the Yankees. Yeah, with Steinbrenner, you know that's they're always going to have a ridiculous payroll, and you know since the early two thousands. The 2009 with championship notwithstanding, you know, they haven't really got it done. But with the Mets and the Padres, who obviously made splashes, the Padres were in the playoffs last year, to fail to make the playoffs, it only confirms what astute folks have been saying all along when it comes to throwing money in a big pot and bringing all kinds of weapons over and not really gelling and forming the basis of a championship squad. And I'm not saying it can't happen, but more often than not, as the data shows, it often ends up in situations like this where expectations are high and are not met. You know, I can tell you that being a PSG fan, you know, speaking to another sport, that yes, 
having all kinds of great talent, if they don't have time to mesh and form that bond and actually learn how to win together, you see situations like this. So this is not really that shocking, right? Speaking of the Mets, Mr. Walter is done and given the pink slip as the Mets look to turn the page and hopefully have a brighter 2024. They figure Buck's not going to be part of it. I guess Buck is already throwing his name out there for the vacancy in Anaheim because, you know, Phil Nevin was shown the door. So there you go. 2023 season comes to an end, obviously. And, you know, unfortunately, for if you're in Seattle or, you know, on the north side of Chicago, it did not end the way you wanted it to. Kind of unfortunate there is I think a lot of folks wanted to see the Cubbies. They always want to see the Cubbies in the postseason. It's always a lot of fun, you know, for their fans and just the national interest. And I think with the Mariners, the success last year and folks kind of hoping they could break through, that's kind of disappointing to see them because it looked for the longest time like, hey, this could be a year where they make a run up there in Seattle. But it was not to be for the Cubs or the Mariners. And that's the way these things happen sometimes, you know. And, you know, as we, you know, the Astros taking the West, Dusty making it happen. They're going to be dangerous now that they're in the playoffs. I think we can all agree with that. You know, the thing is with the 2023 season coming to a conclusion, you always think about the end of eras, right? You know, like Wayne Wright walking off in the sunset. Miggy, you know, it was really beautiful to see his parents come out and throw out the first pitches and all the beautiful tributes they had for him in Detroit as he moves to the front office. Obviously, the the A's getting ready to leave Oakland after having a historic run in the East Bay. You know, a situation in Anaheim where more than likely Mr. Otani and Mr. Trout have probably played their last games in Orange County. Yeah, it's always this interesting time when we get to the end of a season, especially, you know, when certain things the set, you know, the sun sets on. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things, though, is it was a great year. You know, start off with the pitch clock. MLB feels like it was very successful. It trimmed off 24 minutes off games. You know, let's have a real conversation about that. Given, you know, all the time you spend parking on the freeways and all this other stuff. Is 24 minutes that much of a deal? Apparently the MLB it is. I don't know. What do you think? F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your take on shaving off, you know, 24 minutes off from what the game times were averaging a year ago. You know, if that's really a big deal or not. Obviously, MLB is patting itself on the back, being feeling pretty happy that this made a significant change. You know, and obviously, you know, the league having its largest attendance spike upwards in 30 years, I mean, 17 of the 30 teams drew more than 2.5 million fans. So, obviously, people are enjoying the product. So, Mr. Manfred, as much grief as we give you, got to give you props there in terms of baseball being on the upswing. Okay. Speaking of milestones, because I don't want to get too deep into it. Luckily, I've been watching MLS all night and this mockery that's going on with the Dodgers, typical, which makes this next bullet point so interesting. Because 
You know, Doc won. And I say Doc, I'm not talking Doc Goodman, but Dave Roberts wins 100 games for the fifth time, joining a very elite club. Everybody else in that club is in the Hall of Fame. Will Mr. Roberts be in Cooperstown? Well, with only a COVID championship, and if they piss out of this playoffs, probably not, which is really interesting when you think of somebody being able to meet that miles. I mean, heck, you're in the same club as a guy like Connie Mack or a John McGraw, for crying out loud, right? Huh. Well, you know, you have the wild card is over. Not much excitement there, right? You know, the broom was pulled out in all the matches. I mean, all the series, I should say. I've been watching too much soccer, so pardon the, <laughs> the mistake there. Yeah, I mean, the situation in Tampa Bay, I think it's universally agreed. They're the biggest disappointment. You know, having one of the best records in baseball and getting swept. Nobody really showing up to that Cracker Jack ballpark, and you think they're getting a new stadium, and it's just like, man, this is the playoffs, and nobody gave a shit. It's like, you know, Memphis or Salt Lake City or Nashville, people would be going apeshit, right? Um, you know, Brewers, supposed to, you know, be one of the surprise teams in this postseason. No, 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 no. This wasn't the way it was going to be. Yeah, right? D-backs looking good tonight. Obviously, you know, taking care of business. Phillies, you know, right? I mean, so... But with the brooms being, you know, pulled out, not a lot. I was kind of hoping to see, you know, a little more excitement there as far as, you know, these early seasons, these early wild card series were concerned. You know, after all, it was to generate more interest, you know, right? For those of us that are at home and work at home in the daytime, we're like, ah, oh, we got games. Yeah, that went real well, didn't it? <laughs> all right. So I'll leave you with this one. It just made me think. You know, obviously with it being football season and whatnot. And, and even this isn't as prevalent as it used to be. We'd be like, hey, dude, oh, my fantasy team did this. or that. You don't hear as much talk about that as we, as we once did. And it just makes me wonder because this all started with rotisserie baseball. I don't call it fantasy baseball. It's the rotisserie league. And does anybody even play rotisserie anymore? You know, after all, that's what started the whole fantasy thing when all the, uh, you know, Right, all the eggheads, right, all the smart guys doing it, and then you know people like myself picked up the craze, and we moved it over to other sports as well. But it makes me wonder because you never hear anybody talking about playing rotisserie anymore. I'm really curious if, if people even still have leagues and stuff like that. I mean, right? I don't even hear you know the talking heads on the networks talking about, yeah, you know. Right, I, I, I've got you know Otani on, on my on my rotisserie team, and he got this and that. You don't hear any of that. I think it's just so strange, given you know where that was what led to all this fantasy craze, and it used to be you know kind of a beautiful game to play. All right, folks, we will see you on the other side shortly. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Oh boy, are we having 
Well, 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 what do we have to say now? Let's see here. It's time to go pitch side and get a little beautiful game life in. What's going on around the globe? Well, we can tell you that the 2030 World Cup is going to be kind of cool that it's going to be put on three continents. Obviously, this is being the centennial edition of the World Cup. So you got to get some South America love as far as Uruguay, Paraguay, and Argentina. Not just there. But also, you know, the, giving the Mediterranean some love with Spain, Portugal, and Morocco. Interesting history there in terms of, you know, the influence that all three of those countries have had, you know, in the age of exploration, conquest, and colonization, and everything else. But yeah, it's going to be cool that the World Cup is going to be on three continents. Fun stuff there. Looking forward to that. After we get our turn, obviously, SoFi not going to be one of the final sites. A little spat over the money, apparently, uh, among other things. So I think it's going to come down to MetLife and Jerry World. Ugh. Big places, but yeah, I think we, we, we can do better than that, I would, I would like to think. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, got to make sure everybody's living large. But MetLife, come on, man. I mean, Jerry World, okay, I guess. But, you know, too bad for L.A. and, and the bickering. And, you know, outside of that, what else is going to be big enough? You sure the heck ain't going to have it in a dump like, you know, FedEx. <laughs> yeah. Try try as you will, Josh Harris, to you know, make that style look good. Wow. Texas is up by a field goal now. A minute left. So what's going to happen here? We're going to get some OT? Okay. So we had UCL match day two. That's right, UEFA Champions League. The big story, PSG goes to Newcastle, St. John's Stadium, and gets blitzed 4-1. PSG looking like they were standing in mud. My bias not was standing. Newcastle looked pretty good. I knew that going there, they were going to be up for this. Not understanding what Mr. Enrique was thinking in terms of some of the tactics that were being used. Is it the end of the world for... Paris Saint-Germain, of course not, I mean, but, and there is a tendency that for people to overreact. After all, didn't Argentina lose a game in the group stage on its way to eventually winning the World Cup? But yeah, Newcastle looked pretty formidable. I mean, it, they looked night and day. And as I've said already about PSG trying to put together, you know, a new squad, genesising, genesising, Guys like Neymar, Verratti, and obviously the great Leo Messi. Going to take some time. I think they have a pretty solid squad, but yeah, Newcastle gave them the business. What about what else happened? Well, you know, City, Bayern, and Real Madrid and Barca all post wins. And the bigger story would be Arsenal and Manchester United losing to Lens, Lons, and God does so, you know, everybody laughed about PSG getting ran. You know, Arsenal and Manchester United 
right? Those are small clubs, even though people always say that about BSG. Well, the big clubs had some trouble, and losing to Galatasaray in Lens, as I like to say, Lons, really, but RC Lons Racing Club, uh, out of the Farmers League, I might add. <laughs> Crazy stuff there. Whoa, screen keeps going away on me. Um, over in the UEL, Europa, Europa. What else did we have? Well, we had Roma and Liverpool posting wins. We'll get too deep into that competition until later, but of the notable teams that you would know or care about. Over in the MLS. Now, how's it funny how over time with this podcast, MLS seems to be getting more and more love. Gee, I wonder why. It ain't because of Messi either. FC Cincinnati support, snags the supporters' shield with a 3-2 win. Huge, considering what a dumpster fire they were. But as Alexi Lawless likes to point out, every year when you give them a chance to, if you're bringing in by a supporter's shield, it means you haven't won an uh, <laughs> MLS Cup. C-L-A-F-C. They won the MLS Cup last year. Nobody cares about the two supporter shields they won. Still a great achievement, except for a team that was a dumpster fire not that long ago. Can they rise to the occasion? Well, we'll, we'll see. Um... The Union got a draw with the crew, something they've been doing too much of. St. Louis City wins the West, and LAFC going scoreless with a very lackluster performance last Saturday night against Real Salt Lake. The Galaxy, somehow holding on to their faint playoff hopes, finds the magic again and got you know and managed to eke out a late 3-3 draw with the Timbers until I die. Timbers been a great story. We had action midweek as well. LAFC finally, after four games without scoring a goal. Four games. They got the better of the loons. And I mean, this is the weird thing about LAFC, and it's Jekyll and Hyde. They can't score goals, but when they do, they pour four or five up. And Denny Bawanga gets another hat trick. What's that? The fourth he's had in this, in this calendar year? Anyways... The fallout from that game was pretty quick, as the Loons fire long-term, long-time coach Adrian Heath. Instead of that, instead of that. boat race like that on national TV, we ain't having that. The Union finally gets a win as well, as opposed to drawing. They take down Atlanta, and the Galaxy run out of miracles. <laughs> you know? Got it to stoppage time, only they have Mr. Roldan, Score a very late goal at the death. Now, I guess you could say that's the same with the Galaxy's playoff hopes. As I said, they were assassinated by the Sounders at the very end. Tough break for the Galaxy. Although, I'm as an LAFC fan, you know I'm not shedding any tears about that. So, you know, kind of a weird week as far as Messi FC is concerned, right? Without him... They've been struggling. They're going to draw here. They got a very tough loss. I mean, they got sandblasted. Big crowd turned out in Chicago because they thought Messi was going to play. Messi's still hurting. Word is he's, he's in training. He will play today. 
As I'm looking at this today, they, boy, they got a big match upcoming. But all of a sudden, what looked to be a sure thing with them making the playoffs is not so sure right now. They have zero room for error as we've got, what, two match days left. A lot of teams in front of them, as far you know, being around between 40 and 37 points, I believe. So I don't know if Messi FC is going to pull a miracle and make the MLS Cup playoffs. you got to figure if Gerber and the, the powers that be have anything to do with it, which they probably will, you know, they'll be as viable as possible because if Messi's healthy and he's not in the playoffs, I would be kind of ashamed for what MLS is trying to do and what they've been pushing with this big signing of bringing Leo to the MLS. I warned you all about the kind of miles he had put on and that it was going to be difficult for him to be able to to sustain this. But we shall see. Okay. What else is going on here? Oh, yeah. Orlando also stunned Nashville to make the playoffs. Good for them. Over in Europe, Manchester City lost its first match of the season. United has lost four of the last seven matches, but Mr. McTominay came through big today. Got two late goals. We'll talk about that next week. Um, the Spurs won a wild one to end Liverpool's 16-match unbeaten streak. Spurs playing fantastic. The aforementioned PSG, tough week for them. You know, get blasted by Newcastle. And this is coming off of a very lackluster draw against Claremont Foot, who's like last in League One. But I'm not worried about PSG. Captain America, our man, Mr. Pulisic, got a big goal in AC Milan's win over Lazio, the Rossoneri, the Rossoneri, or at the top of the Serie A table. Out of the spotlight, CR7 still bossing the, pit, bossing the pitch, although they did lose for the first time in a while yesterday. Neymar enjoying the good life without delivering the good. You see that penalty he missed? Tried to watch him today, but apparently he got the game off because his daughter's being burned. I didn't even know he had a lady that was having a kid. Wow. Oklahoma snatches victory from defeat. We'll be talking a lot about that next week. What a crazy finish on the Red River shootout. Okay. How about Devon Kimbrough becoming the youngest player to make his U.S. Pro de- debut? Was it like 13 years old for the Sacramento Republic? Pretty cool stuff, huh? What were you doing at 13? Homie's playing professional soccer. I think that's pretty damn cool. At 13, how long will it be before he's in the MLS? All right, folks, we'll be back with the NBA beat when we return. Welcome back to Eagle's Nest 2 Studios, Fox Trying in a Foxhole, episode 178. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here, chilling in the afterglow of Oklahoma's stunning last-minute win of the Cotton Bowl and the Red River Shootout. So, let's talk some NBA beat. A lot of fallout after Dame Dallahalla lands in Milwaukee. Well, the next big domino of the fall was where was Holiday going to end up? You knew that 
Portland was going to use him as a bargaining chip to get more assets as the Blazers look to remake themselves now that Mr. Lillard has made his way to the Midwest. And we now know that he's going to Boston, which now all of a sudden Boston with, you know, Mr. Tatum, Porzingis, and, you know, the other badasses they have. Maybe they are the best team in the East, or projected to be, now that they've got a bona fide player in Mr. Holiday, who, you know, he said wanted to be a buck his whole life, but I don't think he's complaining that he gets to play with the Celtics. As long as the notorious Boston fans don't go all racist on him, it should be a good landing spot for him. Ah, looking forward to it. We're getting closer to the seasons. can be fun. You know, and it makes me wonder, are they the favorite? Is Milwaukee the favorite? Can Denver repeat? Can Phoenix live up to its hype? Do the Warriors have one more gasp in them? And can the retool Lakers? Right now, I can't say. We're going to get Alec Ford on here in a couple of weeks, and we're going to do our NBA preview. Pretty soon here, I would imagine. I just got to, like, sort it out with them. We had a blast, but we almost talked for three hours about college. So, you know, we'll be talking it up when it comes NBA. So, keep an eye out for that. But right now, I can't really say, as far as my heart of hearts, who I think is going to be the favorite in the NBA right now. I think it's wide open. We'll just have to see what injuries and possible trade and movement that can happen once, you know, we get to playing. And we also got this play-in thing going on. So we're really looking forward to that. So let's go to the post-mortem on Dame Dollar Holler. Well, a lot. You know, I didn't really get his little letter to Portland and sort of, you know, calling out the people that didn't have his back. Dude, you were beloved, man. And... As loyal as Blazer fans are, of course they were, some were going to be salty when you said for many, many years you wanted to be a Blazer for life. I'm not going to hold it against you because I've been, I've, I said for years, man, you should give yourself an opportunity to win. You're not going to win as the Blazers were constructed. You know, something was going to have to happen to give the Blazers a chance to be viable. And I didn't think that had you in the equation. More like, moving you and getting as many good assets as long as you were getting closer to the lottery. I think it's a win-win. No need to be all salty. I mean, you're going to go down in history as one of the great Blazers of all time. Uh, Clyde Drexler, Maurice Lucas, obviously Bill Walton, you know, Brandon Roy to some effect, and, you know, some others there. You're in the pantheon as far as, you know, Blazer greats are concerned. You could have left it at that. I think it's interesting, though, that he's getting a divorce now. I mean, I don't know what kind of prenup he's got, but it's like interesting that, hey, new new life, you know, time to ditch the wife. And maybe the wife, as many people have pointed out, said, the hell with Milwaukee, I ain't going there. It was one thing for you to drag me up to the Northwest. So, anyways, I'd be curious to see how that shakes out. Like I said, I think it's a win-win for everybody involved, you know, Milwaukee now has a chance to retain Giannis. And Portland gets a chance to actually become very viable again. Now they just have to figure out if the Allens will just get off of their high horse 
you know, or the Harris to Paul Allen and sell the team to, to, to Phil Nike so they can take over the stewardship of the Blazers. I don't think, well, the Allens are running it, that's going to be the best thing. So, what else do we have? And speaking, what, what's, what's Tyler Hero t- talking trash about Portland for? Man, you're lucky you're riding Jimmy, Jimmy Bucket's coattails. Nobody cares about you. And the idea that you're going to sit there and trash the Portland, come on, man. Nobody gives a F what you think. Look, how about Jimmy Bucket showing up with his emo boy band haircut? Well, you got to love that guy. I was kind of wondering what he was going to do, you know, once all the braids came down. But, yeah, the whole, I mean, I'm like going, what, are you in Oasis or something? Or, you know, right? Yeah. Great stuff there. Uh, you know, speaking of the Nuggets, you know, obviously, Mr. Malone coming out telling the Lakers, hey, you know, my comment about being the Lakers' daddy is still on your minds. The problem's on you. I was just having fun at the moment. And he's, he's right, you know. I kind of thought AD and those folks, you know, speaking to that. Remember, y'all the ones with 17 chips. They've got one, you know, right? I get being pissed off, and it makes fodder for, you know, the opening night. And it's going to be a good battle the whole season. But, eh, some of this flexing there, not necessarily needed. You know, and you know, the Joker and Mr. Murray, they say repeat is on the menu. Well, Well, what are you supposed to say? Okay. Do I see it happening? No, I don't. I think that everybody's going to be coming for you, and we'll see how much fun you had on the off season, and if that fire still burns. You know, if the fire is still burning, like it was for the Warriors to not stop at just one, time will tell, won't it? <laughs> Harden set, you know, blowing off the media. Still wants out of Philly, but I'll give him credit. He showed up for the first day of training camp. Makes sense, right? Because if you don't show up, any chance you fancy of being able to play with Mr. Bomber in his outfit, you're going to have to show that you can cooperate on some level and be a team player. I know it's not in your DNA. And some of the stuff that people have said about you, I'm a thousand percent behind, but I am very encouraged that he showed up to camp, and maybe something will happen. Because if you're if you're Nick Nurse, do you really want to deal with this? And Bead says it's not going to be a distraction. We shall see about that. As we like to say, time will tell. Okay. So speaking of the Lakers, LeBron says AD is now the face of the franchise. What do we think of that? No, he's not. The glass man has to show us that he can play at least 70 games and be dominant. Not every two games or so where it's like, wow, this dude is like live. And then all of a sudden, it's like he's been smoking Indo, right? And hanging out with the boys, right? In the green room, as opposed to out there owning the paint. So until he does that, LeBron, you are still the face of the franchise. And even if he does that, as long as you're on the court, you will be the face of whatever team you're on because that's just who you are. I don't get all this talk, speaking of LeBron. Like I said, he's been everywhere this week. You know, one, you know, obviously talking about, you know, Bronny, and that's a good story there. 
first he's saying that yeah, I feel like I'm coming with to this camp as like I'm a rookie, but yet you're missing preseason games, which I'm okay with. You know, some people are gonna give him grief about that, but the fact is, for the Lakers to have a chance, his minutes have to be restricted. You've got the roster now with all the additions. And some of the people who stepped up last year as well, you know, Hillbilly Kobe among them. You should not be playing more than 26, 27 minutes. If Deham can sort of enforce that and get LeBron to go along with it, yeah, the Lakers have a very good chance to make some noise. But if he's playing, you know, stat padding and playing 35 to 40 minutes some nights, you're going to have the same result where you're not going to have enough juice to get past a team like Denver last year. Just saying. I think it's kind of interesting if we go down the hall. Yes, we're talking about the crypt. The Clippers. And Kawhi basically pushing back on the NBA's attempt to enforce load management. And, you know, I don't like to give Bayless too much credit. But he's right, though. Without a machine to gauge how much pain somebody's in, if a guy says he's hurt, you're going to have to take him for his word. And if PG's hurt at the same time, what, are you going to make them go out there if they say they can't go? To me, this is like the NCAA trying to enforce something. I just don't know if you can tell these stars. You know where I stand on this because, you know, the people who spend their hard money to go see the stars. I mean, look at it. You had like 60,000 that came out to see Messi the other night, and he wasn't there. And, you know, that's never a good optic. And that's the same thing in the NBA with load management. But, you know, if somebody says they're hurt, you're going to tell them they're not? And how do you even gauge that? I mean, right, you know, we're talking a little about the NFL here. And we hold Deshaun Watson when we get to the NFL report. It's the same story. Doctor says he can go, but he's both he couldn't. You're going to... You know, who's the last word on that? The player says, nah, man, I ain't feeling this. Okay. Let's talk a little WNBA on our way out. So, the Aces sweep Dallas to return to the finals. No shock there. This is what we expected. The Liberty winning a hard-fought series, you know, with Connecticut in four games. It looked like they were going to have some problems that they've had. But now that the dream matchup is here, who wins it? Wow. I'm going to say the Liberty, because it just seems like they're the team of destiny. And, you know, being tested in the, in both of these rounds, I'm going to think that it may be time for, you know, Sabrina and crew. I know, right? Beast is like, it's not about me, Ken. What you talking about, Sabrina? But hey, I'm in Eugene, so I've got to give Sabrina I all the love I possibly can, you know, the sweetie that she is. Yeah, I feel like the Liberty, this is their year, and I'm going to say that they win this series. All right, folks, we'll be back with a closer look when we return.
Fox Rig in a Foxhole. Time to opinionate. Editorialize. Talk trash. Give her opinion. A closer look. Where shall we start? Let's go to the VAR mockery. I've talked about this in the past. I'm going to talk about it again. Just officiating in general. I haven't had a chance to really tee off on officiating like I've done in the past. You know, somehow it just becomes so part of the landscape, you just accept it. But I'm tired of accepting it. And we had some, you know, bad stuff go on. And, you know, the matchup last week with Liverpool and the Spurs, you know, where they come out and admit VAR got it wrong. I've seen it too many times with LAFC and PSG, just, you know, in my own personal experience with teams I root for. And other things, it's just like, why have the damn technology if, if humans are too incompetent to get it right? We saw with this whole Toy Story thing, you know, with the game they had over there in the Spurs Stadium with Jacksonville and how, you know, they were able to use the chip technology to, to do a whole Toy Story thing for the kids. The technology is there to where every call should be able to be dissected, processed, and come up with instantaneously, especially if you've got people in caucus or wherever being able to analyze because you've got enough camera angles, and yet so many times these calls are wrong. Now, it, for one, it feeds the conspiracy theorists like saying, yeah, man, I told you this shit was rigged. But I wish it were that simple. I just think, you know, humans, right, in the moment of pressure, their head goes up their culo, and they start puckering, and they see things that aren't there, right? Or they're just like, oh, hey, 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 okay, yeah, I, I think it's offside, or I think it's a handball. But it's just getting ridiculous in terms of we've got the technology. Uh, I saw in the NFL... In three cases over the past week, horrible spots, goes to replay, and they still get it wrong. What the hell is going on here? You've got the technology where it should be. Hey, this is where the ball is. Put the, you know, the You've got the technology. It's already there. The Toy Story thing totally convinced me of, well, you've got these people, you know, in, in the uniforms and in various places. So everything can be tracked. Why are these calls, especially in something like an offside or a handball or a sp or, 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 or a, sp a placement of where the ball frigging is? It's absolutely ridiculous at this point with all the technology and officiating somehow is getting worse. How is that even frigging possible? Other than, I guess as humans, we're getting dumber by the minute, but I don't want to be that harsh. But it sure looks that way when you see how some of these calls go. Right? I know I'm ranting and raving, but hey, you know, the fans, coaches of these other teams who are on the wrong end of these decisions, and there's too much money, there's too much emotion tied up into all this stuff for a level of incompetence to continue to occur at the levels we're seeing it. I mean, it's simple as that, right? And it's just ridiculous. Okay, let me flip the switch here. As I talked about earlier, and boy, talk about 
serendipity is I see the Kelsey bros with their mom in the Campbell's Soup commercial. Good grief. Perfect timing, right? The NFL and its thirst to be the bell of the ball. Yeah, okay. This whole infatuation with the Swifties, it's just sickening, okay? Let me just say that. Um, nothing against the Swifties, so don't come at me. You don't listen to this podcast anyway, so don't worry about it. And even if the, if the word got out, this ain't about you. More power to you for following your girl and taking the NFL up as a fancy for you. No problem there. However, the NFL being the most popular sport in this country, and very popular even globally, is you know, the rest of the world goes, oh, it's American football. But yeah, I can't turn away from it. You know, big crowds that show up in England and Germany for these matchups. And folks, you know, watching it late night, they, they're into it. It's one of the biggest sports in the world. Why do I bring this up? Because you do not need to be so shameless. I mean, what were there, like 17 cutaways to T-Sizzle in the game against the Jets the other night? Felt bad for Aaron Rodgers and Brittany Mahomes. It's just like, but why about some shine for me? Why is it all going to be about that B? And no, Taylor, we're not calling you a B. We, we give you props because you move economy, <laughs> economies. You make the ground shake. You've proven what a force you are. And I don't know what you and Kelsey are doing, whether it's serious or not, but it's nauseating. And then, you know, Kelsey coming out and saying, yeah, the NFL is kind of overdoing it. Well, then don't bring her to the games. You're playing into it. I give Stephen A. Smith this. He's like, you know what you're doing. Don't sit here and try to score points with everybody by calling up the NFL when you're at the center of all this nonsense. I mean, you know, and T-Sizzle, you have enough shine already. Do you ever, is it all about world domination for you? Like, yeah, I'm going to get everybody in the NFL. Not like, you know, Emily Ratowski. He's like, hey, I don't have time for this. That's why, Emily Ratowski, you are a D. You're, you're a D girl. You know, still from the Sopranos as opposed to T. Sizzles. Like, yeah, I want, you know, part of this NFL shine as part of, you know, another, another you know, check mark on my own areas of conquest. Because it, it's obviously about world domination when it comes to T. Sizzle. But it's just so nauseating that, you know, every NFL Sunday we're, we're inundated with this fashion Is she coming? Well, she's coming. Oh, wait, she had to go through the metal detector. Well, everybody has to go to the, the metal detector to make sure you're not bringing any weapons. Heck, man, you know. And, oh, hell, she helped clean up the the box that she was sitting. Oh, great, you know. More power to you, but that has nothing to do with it. Anything. And it, it, it's, for me, the NFL, you're bona fide. After she gets bored with Kelsey and moves on to something else, it's still going to be the most popular sport. Do you think these Swifties who all of a sudden are paying attention are going to give a shit once she stops caring about the NFL? So why are you going backwards as opposed to, no, I gotta be the bell of the ball, and yeah, I'll take all, I'll take all the shit I can get wherever I can get it. It's so unnecessary with all the storylines that you get week in and week out when we are actually playing football.
Right? Even when we're not playing football, the NFL tends to be 364-24-7. And this pandering to this, you know, Swifty mania, it's just it's just so pointless and so unnecessary. I mean, do what you do, be shameless in all that regard, but come on, man, enough's enough already. Let you know, let that one go. There's way too much interesting stuff as we will get to here in a moment when I get to the NFL report for this nonsense to keep going on week in and week out. All right, that's a closer look. We'll get you out of here with the NFL report and TMC time when we return. Ourselves a little bit of fun in the foxhole, obviously. Getting our jammy, jammy, jam. Extended style. Getting ready to close you out here. Episode 178. It's been a blast. Thanks for putting up with me. Uh, we're rolling. We're in the thick of things. A lot of good stuff going on in the foxhole. A lot of good stuff going on in the tube right now. The Bruins giving the Huskies some problems in the Rose Bowl. Alabama holding serve at Kyle Field. So we'll be looking forward to talking about that in the next 43K view. But let's get ready for some NFL time. The NFL report. Boy, we have a lot to talk about here. So bear with me here. Get this all in and get the TMC time and get you out of here. NFL revises its gambling penalties. Yeah, basically... If you didn't bet on your team, we don't like it, but we're not going to come down on you. If we, if you did bet on your team, we're going to come on harsher on you. Sensible or not? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. As we talked about earlier, you know, when it comes to the marriage between gaming and sports, you know, there's always going to be questions, but, you know, if you want to gamble and you ain't gambling on your own team or your own sport, yeah, maybe we don't have to be so harsh. Although I think you shouldn't be able to bet on NFL, NCAA, if you're a particular sport. None of that should be cool. You know, you want to bet on other sports, sure. And if you are caught betting on your own team, yeah, you get the Pete Rose, Joe Jackson, Buck Weaver, Chuck Gandall, Eddie Zicati treatment. Simple as that. Even harsher. Right? Canada, I mean, there is no compromise there. So that makes sense. The whole Chandler Jones story, oof, Raiders release him. Boy, that one just turned out to be really ugly. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily need to get into the tawdry details, you know, other than the fact that, yo, bro, what were you thinking, you know? Yeah. That obviously does not have a good outcome for him. Raiders release him, and they said they hope that he gets the help that he needs. Raiders are all crazy anyways. Mark Davis calling out fans, telling him, telling them, hey, lay off Josh McDaniels. Well, you know what, Mr. Davis? 
How about, how about Mr. McDaniels and your team post wins and the fans won't have to be so damn salty? Okay, so Kyler Murray is getting ready to come off the PUP list. You know, player unable to perform. But they say he's not ready to come back. I think they're just taking their time. You know, Mr. Dobbs is getting things done and whatnot. No need to rush him back. You know, I think they're going to probably eventually move him, you know, and hopefully play well enough to where Mr. Caleb may consider playing for Arizona. Although, if your Caleb's dead, you're like, uh-uh, I want no part of the Bidwells. All right, let's get to it. Miami comes back to earth. And maybe the Bills are all that. After Miami putting up 70 points, they ran into a buzzsaw known as the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you know, what is Chris Bourbon all he says? Nobody brings the heat like the Buffalo Bills. That's not what he says, but you, you, you've heard it, you know. And yeah, the Bills brought it. And, you know, Miami, well, maybe you aren't ready yet to drink from the champagne glass yet. You know, we obviously know you're going to be very formidable with the weapons you have, but let's not get into the, as Dennis Green says, let's not quite crown them yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, we talked in the last segment about, you know, the Swifties and the whole mockery at MetLife last week with the Chiefs coming into town. So the Mormon missile shows he kind of belongs. He played well. The Chiefs get more nauseating by the snap. Are they on decline? I don't know. Because as long as they've got Mahomes and they're in the postseason, you know they're going to be a threat. But I have to wonder if they start stumbling a bit and they don't have home field advantage, will they be in Las Vegas at the end of the year? I don't know, homie. You know, the Jets, great defense. And, you know, we want to see more of the Mormon muscle, okay? I know Rodgers is saying he will be back. Of course, he can't stand not being in the limelight. You know, obviously, with T. Sizzle, you know, overshadowing him, he's got to say something. And, you know, I believe he wants to get back out there. And he's busting his butt off because he gets no love sitting there in the press box. Don't think it's a wise move for him, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Wow. Okay. Okay, the Cowboys put an end to anyone thinking the, the, the Patriots are even mediocre. So what is the feeling about Cheaterville now after what was it, a 38-3 ass whooping? Well, you know, like Don Shula, the great Tom Landry, you know, and many others before that, the game passes you by. And you don't stay on top forever. I know there is some conversation about is his legacy diminished by this recent run of poor form? No, it's not. You don't win all those rings. And all of a sudden, people think you're second rate. It's just... The game passes you by, time catches up with you. Not a crime. It was going to happen sooner or later. And the Cowboys maybe have, may have helped make Mr. Kraft's decision to say, hey, Bill, it's been a great run, but maybe it's time for New England to go in a different direction. Yeah. Okay. The Eagles remain unbeaten. 
A um, lot to say here. Great game. Uh, the commander showed something there. I'll get more on the commander here in a minute. You know, Sam Howell played great. Really gutsy. You know, with the, leading them back. The touchdown. Send the game to overtime. People should have thought Riverboat Ron should have won for two. I'm not one of those. You know, it's just... But we'll get to the commanders in a minute. The Eagles, looking good. I mean, they're doing what they have to. You know, obviously, they can score points. Their defense isn't quite what it should be, but they haven't lost yet. Now, let's talk about the effing commanders, shall we? Pardon my language, because you know I'm a big fan. So, the commanders... Coming off of that shellacking at home against Buffalo and the heartbreaking loss at the link, we're on national TV at home playing the 0-4 Bears who were on their way to firing their coach. And all of a sudden, the Commanders turned one of their worst performances. And I've been a fan since Vince Lombardi was the coach, okay? So that's going back a ways. And... Listening to DC radio over the last 48 hours, I think this is as mad as the fans have ever been. They made that one kid look like the second coming of Jerry Rice. Um, this defense that has four number ones couldn't—they couldn't stop me. You know, after I had eight ciders, it's just really bad. I feel bad for Sam Howell, but this is very disappointing. And I know people got mad at Josh Harris for kind of giggling. He's like, you know what, I'm going to clean house. It was cool that Magic Johnson came out and said, nah, dude, you all didn't bring it. And it really sucks in this regard. It's taken a long time to win back the, I think, as one of the league's most passionate fan bases. And in the last two home games, to get beat the way they did by the Bills and then by this crappy Bears team that lost 14 in a row. Yeah, not good in D.C., folks. I think Howell is ready to become QB1 in D.C., by the way. I, but, you know, he's got some things he's got to work on. But what, is this his fifth or sixth start? Let's not be too judgmental on what he's doing. You know, I talked about the Raiders earlier. They lost a tough one to the Chargers. Like the way that rookie kid played, but in the end, Mr. Staley gets to stay around for a little bit longer. The Chargers now, all of a sudden, after a very tough start, hey, looking a little viable here. You know, the Bears, you know, after I was going to talk about them imploding and letting Peyton and Russ off the hook, but for the way the commanders, you know, that's that's moot point. Other than I will say this, right, the Bears have some talent on their team. And Mr. Fields, you know, <laughs> those cookies are tasting pretty good all of a sudden, right, in terms of he's got the skills. And if you look at that Commanders game, he's got some weapons to work with. Although, with the Commanders, it's hard to say. But I think the Bears are going to be more of an intriguing story than people thought in the weeks moving forward. It's just, they, ran a, they had some tough luck in the early going. This is a team that's going to win some games. That's what I think, anyway. Okay. Um, Mr. Stroud impresses again, and we really wonder about the Steelers. I mean, getting beat down hard by the Texans. Now, you had to figure, you know, the new regime in there was going to 
turn that franchise fortunes around. I didn't think this quickly. I'm still not quite sold, but you've got to like what you've seen the last two weeks. And, you know, Mr. Stroud looks like he's already on the curve, right? And, you know, speaking of Mr. Richardson down in Indianapolis, 23-0 they were down, got the game in the overtime, but it wasn't enough and the Rams were able to escape with the win, big road win there. Um, okay. We talked about the Toy Story thing earlier. Yeah, the Jaguars write the ship, and the Dirty Birds are who we thought they are. All these people that were talking playoff aspirations, not seeing it whatsoever. And what was it, 20 to 6? Yeah. You know, the legend of Mr. Henneke may get one more act if Mr. Ritter does not play well here in the next couple of weeks. Just saying. You know, the Bengals, who I thought had possibly flipped the script, Decided to throw the script in the garbage can. Got hammered by the Titans. It's pretty clear that Mr. Burrow and that calf injury, yeah, it's going to be a problem. And week to week, you don't know what you're going to get from the Bengals. And right now, it's very questionable whether they are a playoff team. I know Jamar Chase had a lot of interesting things to say, as he always does. But you get your ass kicked the way that you did by the Titans. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brock Purdy. The guy just wins and wins, okay? That's a great team. Simple as that. Big matchup with the Cowboys tomorrow night. We'll find a little bit more about both of those teams. Um, you know, what can I tell you? The guy hasn't lost in the regular season. You know, the game that he didn't lose, it wasn't his fault that, you know, his UCL thing blew out on him. So we will find out a lot. But what you're seeing right now with, you know, C-Mac, Debo, Bosa, I mean, this team's just bonafide. They just got Randy Gregory in a trade to make their defense even stronger. Yeah. Right now, I think they're the best team in the NFC because the Eagles aren't really playing at a level they're supposed to be. And the Cowboys, with the injury to Diggs, and losing to the Cardinals, you can't really say they're the best. So I think the Niners right now are head and shoulders above everybody else in that conference. Simple as that. I said the whole thing earlier about Watson, how he was cleared to play, but the doctors, coach, you know, threw him under the bus basically by saying, hey, he didn't want to go. But who knows when it comes to judging how a person feels in their injuries. I guess the, the Ravens stomped them, you know, and the Browns are another one of these teams that you think, hey, they've arrived, and then you see a performance like this, but then again, if Watson's not out there, and we don't know what his viability is going to be moving forward, yeah, interesting stuff there. All right, folks, we've reached that moment. Time to hand out the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties for people whose deeds of being themselves earn that distinction, coming in complimentary, regular, and XL sizes. TMCA time. We'll start out with the two Sheffield Wednesday fans that mocked Bradley Lowry, a young Southampton fan who died of cancer in 2017. These people were making fun of him. Man, you Brits, I don't get it. A, a poor kid who had a rare form of cancer and you were making fun of him? What the fuck? Yeah, that's, five, that's a five strip. That's five XLs of the smelliest varieties for you turds. You should be banned. I'm glad that 
you know, the magistrate had the balls to put your asses in jail for that kind of nonsense. Come on, man. We're, we can't be that low as humans. I'm going to give two XLs to Louisiana Tech player Brevin Randall, who stomped on UTEP offensive lineman Stephen Hubbard's head. Dude, there's effing cameras everywhere. You can't be like Brandon Merriweather of the U, like what he did against Florida International years back. Cameras everywhere. That kind of stuff lands you in jail, dude. That's fucking assault. What the hell is wrong with you? Okay. We're going to give uh, the Giants offensive lineman Evan Nill an XL for getting in the doghouse with the fans and the management. You don't call out New York fans. You know, anywhere, in, especially New York, you do not pick a fight with the fans. Especially when your defense couldn't stop me after having eight ciders. You got no reason picking them. Take your medicine, go out there and play better and get some W's, and the fans won't be so salty. Simple as that. Okay, we're going to give two XLs to Valley Christian High School of Santa Maria. Forfeiting a game for the second straight year because the opponent has girls on their squad. This would be, you know, Coast Union High School of Cambria. If the girls can play, who can let them play? I don't care what your whacked up beliefs are. If the girls are good enough to be on the squad and the boys have accepted them, get out there and play. If the girl, if the squad with girls beats your ass, deal with it. Don't sit there and be a coward and forfeit. No, that's that's lame. Okay. I am going to give complimentaries to all the folks, this is mainly Commanders fans, second-guessing Riverboat Ron's decision not to go for two in the loss of the Eagles. Why? Because you know what? If he had gone for it and fell, you would have been as salty as you were after the Bears game. On the other hand, I'm going to give it to XL, the Riverboat Ron, for probably the lamest excuse you'll ever hear. Well, I didn't go for two because I felt you know, our team was gassed. Well, if your team's gas, how the hell are they going to compete in overtime? Man, the guys, the shit that comes out of his mouth week to week. Counting the days before Josh Harris and Magic run that guy and everybody else out and they start, start from scratch. <laughs> okay? I'm going to give complimentaries to all the LAFC fans acting like children when it came to the Carlos Vela bobblehead that was given out last Sunday night before their awful performance against Real Salt Lake. Yeah, okay, you know, pushing kids out of the line so you can grab four or five, and they were already up on eBay within 45 minutes. Yeah, over a bobblehead. I mean, people acting like savages, man. Come on, man. Not good. All right. Got to give an XL to the Raider Chicks fighting each other in the stands at SoFi, man, right? You know, I just, like, why are you beating each other up? You are, you are all the same cause. It's one thing when you're fighting fans of the other team. That's disgusting enough, but, you know, two Raider gals beating each other up? Oh, man. And, of course, I got to give a complimentary to the Raider friend. That got, well, no, I'm going to give him an XL. Screw that. Who got his string knocked loose after spitting in the Charger fan's face. You spit in somebody's face, you're going to get drilled, man. What the hell is wrong with you? All right, folks, that's it. It's been a long week. We've already got 179, you know, we're already working it out because this is going to be another great week. 
There's just so much data. It's just getting better because this is the best time of the year for sports. As I always say, stay safe. Avoid the vid. Have plenty of adult beverages. If you're here in Oregon, enjoy the sun while it lasts. And hell, we'll see you in about six or seven days. Peace out.